All right, if you would turn to Proverbs chapter 1 uh, this evening, we'll finish up. We'll finish up this chapter. It took us a while to get through the first seven verses, but now we're kind of picking up the pace just a little bit. Our last lesson gave us the first bit of practical advice in the book of Proverbs. And if you remember, it wasn't something that was so deep or so mysterious that we were sort of left scratching our heads wondering about it. You know, it didn't take a scholar to unravel it all. And that's sort of the beauty of God's wisdom is that God's wisdom walks around in tennis shoes. It is, it is everyday life, practical, applicable wisdom. And so Solomon's first piece of wisdom that he warned us about or that he gave us was a warning just about negative peer pressure and greed. Things that don't seem that fancy and that profound. Uh, they don't seem that mysterious. But succumbing to ungodly peer pressure and succumbing to greed both lead to destruction. And without even realizing it or perhaps without even caring, people like that are setting their own traps. And so much of what we saw last lesson, at least with the peer pressure aspect of it, was that there was sort of this street gang trying to entice you to join them in their sin. And Solomon warned us not to listen. Don't join in. Don't even walk in their way. Well, as we move forward tonight, it's sort of there's a change. We'll hear a different type of call. Tonight, there's a different invitation. Okay, last week, it was the street gang inviting you to sin with them. But tonight, wisdom will invite you instead to learn from her. So we're going to start in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 through 33. Uh, that's where we'll be in, in just a second. And in these verses, what Solomon is going to do is... He's going to personify wisdom as this lady who is walking through the marketplace, who is walking in the gates of the city, and she is crying out to get people's attention so that they can listen to her, so that they can learn from her. So we're going to be invited to listen. We'll also see in these verses the importance of listening to her. Okay, God's wisdom is not it's not like just an upgrade to your phone where you know there might be some glitches in it and you just upgrade your phone and makes it a little bit better runs a little smoother it's not like a multivitamin that you can that you take so that you feel just a little bit better god's wisdom is far more crucial than that and wisdom is going to tell us that it's a matter of life and death and we'll see that one author i was reading he likened it to a garnish on a plate and he said this he said Jesus Christ is not a garnish on the side nobody says give me parsley or else I die you say I thought we were talking about wisdom not Jesus hang on remember that Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God the New Testament tells us that so as we look at these verses tonight you are going to have a decision you can listen to Lady Wisdom you can hear what she has to say, or you can turn your back on her, but you have to know that the decision you make is urgent and it's important. It is literally a decision of life and death. That's how important it is to trust in God's wisdom and to hear from Him and learn from Him. So let's look at Proverbs chapter 1. Let's read verse 20 through 23 to start with. Solomon says, Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. 
How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Probably one of the easiest excuses that people give when they do something wrong is ignorance, right? Just, I didn't know any better. I didn't, I didn't realize that was bad. Uh, I didn't even think through it. You know, it's not even that um, I didn't think to the consequences. I just, I just wasn't thinking at all. I, I just plead ignorance, right? Well, these verses from Solomon sort of take that excuse off the table. Because he tells us that, uh, uses this, this personification of wisdom. She's a lady walking around yelling for you to listen to her. You can't really claim ignorance. She's trying to get your attention. She wants to help you. She wants to teach you. She's trying everything she can to get you to listen to her. And I want you to think about how merciful of a thing that is. Because if you remember from one of our earlier lessons, where does all wisdom come from? All wisdom comes from God, right? So much so that you remember in Job chapter 28, the author of Job says, we don't even know where to look for wisdom. If it were a precious metal, we wouldn't even know where to start digging, is essentially what Job said. Even if we do happen to realize how valuable it is and how priceless it is, we don't even know where to start looking for it. But God does. God knows where it is. And so think about this. Since we don't even know where to look for wisdom, isn't it a wonderful and merciful thing that wisdom actually comes looking for us? Wisdom wants to help. Solomon understood that. And so he turns, turns wisdom into this lady who roams around the marketplace and the city gates searching for someone to instruct. And I think that's just this awesome picture because wisdom is not this hermit lady who lives by herself in a cave. She doesn't isolate herself from the public. She makes herself known to the public because God's wisdom is for anyone and everyone who will listen. It's not a secret. It's, this is public knowledge if you'll receive it. And I want you to think about this is that that's essentially what God has done for us. And I know that, that this is Solomon's talking about wisdom here, but just sort of think of God's revelation to us in general. What would we know about God if he didn't reveal it to us? Nothing. Not one thing. If he had not chosen to reveal himself to us in the first place, we would be um, maybe literally and figuratively in the dark. Paul wrote in Romans that one way, one way God has revealed himself to us is just in creation. God's invisible attributes, he said, like, like his omnipotence, like his eternal deity, they are clearly seen in creation. You can look around at this universe and just be amazed at, at why things grow from the ground, at, at the stars, at the water cycle, at the vastness of the universe, you name it, and you, you can't help but think, there has to be someone bigger than this and more brilliant than this who even started all this. And we, we look at creation and we see that, and that's a way God revealed himself to us. 
But we learn much more about God from his revealed word than we do from his revealed world. If it weren't from the word of God, if it weren't for the Bible, we wouldn't know much about his holiness, his righteousness, his love, his mercy, his grace. I can't really grasp that from creation like I can some of his other attributes. But thank goodness that God decided to reveal those to us. And then the ultimate revelation of God is Jesus Christ. He didn't just tell us about himself. He became one of us and lived among us. And he fully, completely revealed God to us. John wrote in, in his gospel in chapter 1, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then a few verses after that, he says, No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Jesus Christ came to make God known to us. And so just think, everywhere we turn, God is revealing himself to us. He is, he is wooing us convicting us, drawing us from creation to the Bible, to Jesus Christ, to the conviction of his Holy Spirit. God wants you to know him. He, he, it's not a secret. He's, he's done more than enough. And so Solomon likens the, the revelation of God's wisdom to this lady who's walking around in very public places crying out, seeking anyone who will listen. I like what one author said. He said, God isn't holding out. He's available. But he demands a hearing above all the noise that wants to drown him out. So think about that. Even with the revelation, even with Lady Wisdom's public appearances and her, and her shouts, it may be tough to hear because there's so much noise. You ever been to a crowded marketplace? You ever been to, to Walmart when it's busy? It's loud. Right? You've got buying, selling, there's the beep of the checkouts, children running around, buggies that never work, and they're always making too much noise. And it, it's loud. And the city gates, uh, back in the ancient times, were the most important part of the city, sort of like the town square. Things happened at the city gates. There were business dealings. There were judgments that were handed down. So you go to the city gates, and it, it may be hectic because there's decisions being made. There's travelers coming in and out of the city, and there's, there's just a lot going on. And Lady Wisdom is hoping and crying out, hoping that you'll hear her above all the noise. So that's sort of the question that, that we've got to ask ourselves and that, that Solomon hopes that we'll answer uh, in, in the proper way is, will you listen to Lady Wisdom or will you let the noise of this world drown out her voice? This world is full of things and people who want to influence you. There is a lot of noise in the world. There are a lot of voices crying out, trying to get people to follow them. Whether that be whatever, media, Hollywood, false religion, uh, you name it. God is the only voice worth listening to. Pay attention to him and don't let the noise of this world drown out what he is trying to teach you.
But we know some people don't do that. We know some people don't listen. And, and in verse 22, Lady Wisdom mentions three of those kinds of people. Notice in verse, verse 23 there. I'm sorry, not verse 23. Verse 22, uh, the first sort of group of people she mentions are the simple. Uh, and if you remember from a few lessons ago, this is the same word used in verse 4. One of the goals of Proverbs was to give prudence to the simple. So this is the same word, and this, this described that naive, gullible person who was so open-minded that he was too open-minded. There was no filter. He would believe anything. And Solomon actually writes that later on in, in chapter 14. He says, the simple believes everything. So the idea of this person, sometimes we think it's good to be open-minded, and maybe in context it is. But here in the context of Proverbs and what we're talking about is this is someone who has no discernment whatsoever. They're, they're so open-minded that they're even open-minded to sin. They're even open-minded to evil. They're gullible to maybe the, the benefits of sin that they, that they think they'll, uh, they'll acquire. This is sort of the type of person who wouldn't come out and tell you, I hate wisdom. They wouldn't have that strong of a feeling about it. They could sort of take it or leave it. They don't care one way or the other. One author used the term under-committed to describe this person, this simple, gullible, naive person. And, and he said they don't really know what they're living for. They tend to go with the flow and conform, but he notes that the simple still have a chance. Right? Solomon doesn't want us to remain simple, does he? One of the purposes was to give prudence to the simple. And so Lady Wisdom says, How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? There, you can change. You don't have to be like this. You can listen to me instead. And that's one of the goals of Proverbs anyway. So these simple people are not necessarily what we would call hard-hearted or hard-headed. They, they, they need some direction, though. And hopefully they'll respond to, to Lady Wisdom. And hopefully these people will realize the importance of that decision, which may be their, their toughest thing because they are so just naive and gullible and, and undercommitted. This is not something you just shrug off and take it or leave it. You've got to commit. That may be hard for some of these people with these naive, open minds. The next, the next couple types of people that Mrs. Wisdom calls out are a, are a bit more hardened, we might say. Um, these are the chronic cases of foolishness, the chronic, uh, one author called them the advanced cases, the scoffers and the fools. The scoffer is someone who mocks and ridicules wisdom. They laugh at it. They make fun of it. It doesn't make sense to them. In fact, the word for scoffer here is kind of a neat, neat way it came, came to us here. It's, the root word has the idea of someone speaking like a barbarian. And so basically what this is saying is that wisdom is like a foreign language to these people. It's just gibberish. Have you ever been or seen children or maybe when you were a child, um, when you hear someone speaking in a foreign language, it's funny, isn't it? Adults, maybe, maybe we grow out of that a little bit and we just realize, oh, they're speaking another language. But if you're a child and you hear people just jabbering back and forth and you can't understand it at all, it's kind of funny. That's what scoffers think about wisdom. They go, this is kind of funny, isn't it? This makes no sense. And they mock it, and they laugh at it, and they ridicule it. Wisdom is just gibberish to the scoffer. To the fool, 
maybe maybe a step further. Now, I don't know that this is necessarily a stepping thing here, but maybe a little bit more hard-hearted. A fool is someone who is so set in his ways. He is just absolutely morally obstinate. He is insolent. He is a dull person. Uh, not dull in the sense of boring, but dull in the sense of he, he's not changing. It doesn't matter what wisdom tells him. It's not, uh, it doesn't matter how many attempts that Mrs. Wisdom uh, puts out there. He, he's not going to listen. This person, the fool, has stronger opinions than the naive person. That naive, simple person is just sort of, meh, about wisdom. You know, they take it or leave it. This person hates it. That's what, that's what uh, verse 22 says at the end of the verse. Fools hate knowledge. That's strong. That's stronger than just having no opinion about it. But that's this kind of person. And so Lady Wisdom is calling out, even to people who may be simple and scoffers and fools, she's... She's there. And if you'll turn to her, notice what the promises of verse 23 are. She promises blessings if you'll turn to her. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you and I will make my words known to you. The word reproof here is not the same word we've seen a few times for discipline or correction. It's not the same word, but it sort of has the same overall idea. Remember, wisdom isn't easy. It's going to involve turning from our own selfishness, turning from our own sin, turning from the way the world looks at things to the way God looks at things. If we're, if we're going to be living skillfully in the fear of God, it means we've got to get out of our own way and we have to start seeing things like He sees them, making decisions the way He would make them, doing things that would please Him instead of doing things that would please our own sinful, selfish desires. And that involves repentance. We've sort of talked about that several times, and that's what, that's what Lady Wisdom here is saying. If you'll, if you'll hear my reproof, if you'll turn at it, there's blessings that await you. If we do that, Wisdom will pour out her spirit on us. Isn't that an awesome thought, to have Wisdom, the spirit of Wisdom just poured out on you? You think that happened to Solomon, maybe? <laughs> She'll help us. She'll be with us. And I hope that we see the value of having God's wisdom poured on us and, and continuing to instruct us as we go through life. That's what wisdom promises us. But Lady Wisdom's very honest, okay? It's not all, all cupcakes and roses, right? There's, these are their blessings. But rejecting her brings consequences. She's going to bring that up next. So look at, look at the next several verses. This is where that sort of urgency comes in and the importance uh, comes in. Look at verse 24 through 27. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Last week or last lesson, we saw that destruction is coming for that street gang. Destruction is coming for the greedy. And now we see that there is destruction coming for those who reject God's wisdom. There is a storm of judgment coming for you if you reject the wisdom of God. I want you to notice in these verses, notice how confident Mrs. Wisdom is 
in your outcome. There's not a lot of ifs in this. There are some wins. She is certain. There is no doubt to wisdom about the future of a fool. A storm is coming. Whether in this life or the next, a storm is coming. And if you reject God's wisdom, you're staring down trouble. Distress and anguish will come upon you. And wisdom says, I'll just mock you when that happens. I'll laugh at you. I'll laugh. And that may seem harsh and cold, but I want to point out two things about this. First is that you rejected her. You rejected wisdom. She, she called out to you. She was there for the, for the taking, for the listening, for the learning, but you refused. Maybe you were the scoffer and maybe you even mocked her and laughed at her. Even though she made herself known to you, you made your choice. And then secondly, one commentator sort of said maybe we should think about it like this. He said, I will laugh is not an expression of personal heartlessness, but of the absurdity of choosing folly. And that sort of makes sense too, because if, if we think about this, wisdom's been out there, right? She's available. She wants you to listen to her. It's, it's a public thing. So she obviously wants what's best for you. She's been calling out. She's been inviting herself, or been inviting you to herself. So she wants your good. But you refused it. And so this becomes in just this absurdity that you would not listen to her. It's tragically laughable when people refuse God's wisdom. Is that an oxymoron? Tragically laughable? Can we make that one? It's tragically laughable to refuse God's wisdom. And if you do that, there's trouble. Trouble's coming. But how many times do people change their minds once the trouble comes? Right? Once, once they realize they made the mistake, uh, oops. Well, then it's too late sometimes, right? Look at the next several verses. Look at verse 28 through 31. Once the trouble comes, verse 28, wisdom says, Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their, of their way and have their fill of their own devices. There's some depth in these verses. Um, first of all, you need to realize that there will come a time when you will realize the tragic mistake of rejecting God's wisdom. That time will come. Lady Wisdom says, when that comes, I won't be there for you. She won't answer. And again, just like with the laughing and the mocking, let's not think this being unfair or, or cold because she cared about you. She proved that with her outstretched hands, with her audible invitations. But these people had their chances, they had their opportunities, and they made their decision. It's the decision they wanted to make. Notice verse 29 and 30 again. 
They hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Fearing, fearing God is something you can choose. We had a whole lesson about that. Fearing God is something you can choose. And she says, they would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Essentially, God respected their right to be wrong. God's not going to make you receive his wisdom. But the fool who calls for wisdom after the storm comes is sort of like that person who says he's sorry after he gets caught. Well, if you were truly sorry, you either wouldn't have done it in the first place or you would have fessed up before you got caught and realized the consequences, right? It's a little late. You made your choice. You had ample opportunity to turn to God's wisdom before trouble strikes. And I know this is Solomon using this wisdom personified as a teaching tool. But there's an application we can make here with God himself. This same is true with God. In the book of, of Judges, you remember this cycle that the Israelites went through? Um, just this very sad and even maddening cycle to us as we read Judges. They, they would serve God for a while, and then they would fall away and serve idols. And when they did that, God loved them enough to discipline them, and he would, he would uh, send someone to, to oppress them or discipline them, and they would cry out to God and say, Please save us. And God would send a, a judge, a deliverer, and he would save them, and they would start serving God for a little bit, and then they it was just this just this ridiculous cycle. But I want you to notice what God finally said in Judges chapter 10. God finally said, You have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore I will save you no more. Go and cry out to the gods whom you have chosen. Let them save you in the time of your distress. There will come a time when it's too late. When you've made your decision and when you try to get things right and get things prepared after the trouble comes, it won't work. It's too late. There was a few weeks ago, uh, you, you, you guys might even remember the storm I'm talking about. It was just a few weeks ago. We had a storm come through on a Saturday night going into Sunday morning that was so windy. And I woke up the next morning and we were, we were coming to church and opened the garage and went outside and our basketball goal in our driveway had fallen over and it missed one of our cars by that much. And so that afternoon I, I picked it back up and Monday I went to Lowe's and bought a couple more sandbags. And then as I was studying this lesson I kind of laughed because those sandbags didn't do anything on Monday when the storm came through on Saturday night. I should have prepared beforehand but I didn't know. I didn't realize that I wasn't, I wasn't wise enough to that, to that coming storm. If you reject Lady Wisdom, what do, you, what do you expect from her after the storm's already hit? Prepare yourself beforehand. Listen to her before the trouble comes. And surprisingly, the end of these verses, the storm may not even be what you think it is. Look at verse 31 again. Notice what she says. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. This storm or the judgment or the trouble in this life, um, it, it may be that you get exactly what you want. Wisdom says you can have your, have your fruit, have your fill of your devices. But if your desires and your dreams are wicked or if they're just worldly, 
they're not going to offer you any protection, any safety, any security, any peace with God. Especially if your fruit is harvested by wickedness, don't be surprised when you reap some wickedness in return, like the street gang that we had talked about a couple of weeks ago. So here in verse 31, the fool essentially gets, gets what he wants in a way. He gets to eat what he planted, and that's actually part of the judgment. That's part of the judgment for rejecting wisdom. You might get exactly what you want, but it won't be what you need. Kind of like our old adage of be careful what you wish for. You know, you, you just might get it. I, I read one author who, who said this. God does not hit you over the head with a hammer. He doesn't have to. The sorrow comes from within the dark energy of your own choices. If you want to reject God's wisdom, you can, but you need to be ready to stand by the consequences of your decision. God doesn't always have to, quote, bring judgment upon people. What I mean by that is sometimes he just simply lets them deal with the consequences of their own sin. He can, he can uh, maybe we would say he can remove any protective hand he wants to from their life. And if someone chooses to act wickedly and they choose to reject his wisdom, they, God can just choose to let that play out in their lives. He can choose to let them reap what they sow. He can choose to... To let them deal with the consequences of their own actions. C.S. Lewis said this. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says, thy will be done. That's one of my favorite quotes. Are you going to be the kind of humble person who listens to God's wisdom and who turns to God and says, Lord, I want what you want? Or in the end, are you going to be that person that has rejected God? And as I say from time to time, God will, will respect your right to be wrong. And he'll say, okay, that's what you want. I'm not going to force you. So look at the last couple of verses here, 32 and 33, which sort of summarizes um, all of this. Verse 32 says, For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. That's awesome. Verse 32 is really strong, and it's, it's maybe surprising too. First notice the words killed and destroyed. If you think I was kind of joking about this being a matter of life and death, we've got words like kill and words like destroy. And I know we can think spiritually and we will make those applications for sure. But if you live a life of sinful wickedness, don't be surprised if you get killed. If you get destroyed, go rob a bank and see what happens to your physical life. Sin has physical consequences with it. Obviously, more importantly, there's the spiritual consequences, but when we, read, when we read words like killed and destroyed, we see, again, how this is, this is a matter of life and death. It's not just something, if you're that simple person, I ah, take it or leave it, like choosing your favorite color or deciding what you're going to eat tonight. It's a far more important decision than that. If you reject God's wisdom, it'll destroy you. And notice once again in this verse, verse 32, that much of the judgment is just what you bring on yourself. 
God doesn't have to bring it upon you necessarily. He can just let sin go unchecked and let people reap the consequences of their decision. Notice in verse 32 again, Lady Wisdom says the simple are killed by their turning away. They, they did it to themselves, so to speak, by their turning away. And notice the complacency of fools destroys them. The word complacency is really close to the word ease or peace, uh, things like that. It, it, but in this context, complacency is a great translation. I read one author who said this, complacency is counterfeit ease. The fool who rejects God's wisdom might get what he wants. He might get an easy life. But that ease and that complacency will be his downfall. Because maybe he doesn't see the need for God. Maybe he doesn't see the need for repentance. He doesn't see the value in that. He doesn't see his, his need for a Savior. We may not think of ease or complacency as something that's that dangerous, but it's just as dangerous as the simple person turning away. It just might look a little different. Complacency is counterfeit ease. And you con contrast that with verse 33 that says, Whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. The only real place of safety and security is not found in the things of this world, but by trusting in God's wisdom. So you can turn away, you can be complacent, you'll be destroyed, or you can listen to wisdom and be safe. Solomon really presents just two options in the end here. You can be destroyed or you can be safe. Let's sort of tie a ribbon around the lesson tonight here. Um, first thing I want to remind you of that we started off with is that this world is full of voices. So who are you going to listen to? Satan will use all kinds of noise to drown out God's voice. He doesn't care what noise you listen to as long as it's not God's voice. He does not care so long as you're not listening to God. Listen to what God says. That involves learning your, learning your Bible, right? God has revealed himself to us in his word. Learn it. Listen to it. Follow it. It goes along with fearing God. So who are you going to listen to? Another point I want to make uh, is just think about Lady Wisdom and this personification here. that She cried out publicly. She didn't keep herself a secret. She wanted people to know it. That's an example for us individually and as a church. God has given us a task of being witnesses for him, uh, spreading his, his gospel, telling the world about Jesus Christ. So why wouldn't we be like wisdom in doing that, so to speak? Wisdom went out in the public. She wanted people to listen to her. So... Just think about our own lives. When we're here as a church, it's, it's a great thing. It's important. But it may not be, quote, public, if that makes sense. You guys live a lot more out there than we do in here. What if wisdom would have just said, I'm just going to sit here in my little cave, and if they, they want it, they can come to me. That's not what she did. She went out in the streets, and she proclaimed it. We need to be doing that in our lives. It's a matter of life and death to people. 
So don't keep it to yourself. Be that witness. Be that light that God wants you to be. People need to hear it. And hopefully they'll listen. Thirdly, as we talk about receiving or rejecting God's wisdom, ultimately the application is, are you going to accept or reject Jesus Christ as your Savior? Because remember, He's the embodiment of wisdom. Jesus is the embodiment of wisdom, and He's the only safeguard against that coming storm of judgment. That's it. The world will tell you otherwise. Jesus used the image of a coming storm to teach about the importance of listening to him and obeying his words. At the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, listen to what Jesus said. He said, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. If you reject the truth of Jesus Christ, you're headed for a great fall. And maybe that's a truth that you've heard a lot in your life. Maybe many times you've heard... uh, Someone preach and say, Jesus died for your sins. He was resurrected by the power of God. And if you'll trust Him and believe Him, He'll save you. Maybe you've heard that. Maybe wisdom has called to you over and over, but you've never been her student. You've never accepted that. You need to trust in Christ before it's too late. Trust in Jesus while you have the opportunity. While God is convicting you. He's done so much to reveal Himself to you. Don't be the naive, gullible, open-minded person who just sort of, eh, who just doesn't care. Don't be the scoffer who laughs at it. Don't be the fool who has just made up his or her mind. Trust Jesus, the wisdom of God, to safeguard you. It is a matter of life and death, eternal, spiritual life and death. but there will be a time when it's too late. You need to make the decision while you have the opportunity. So tonight, will you answer the invitation of Mrs. Wisdom as we go through this book? Or will we be naive, scoffing fools? Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for Solomon's great wisdom that you gave him and his ability to uh, share it with us. Lord, help us to listen to your word uh, and to yield to the conviction of your spirit in our lives. Lord, help us to learn from you and from your wisdom and to uh, pay attention to that uh, instead of all the noise in this world, God. I pray that if there's someone who has never trusted in Jesus, as their Savior, that they would repent, that they would trust Him before it's too late, God, and help us in our lives and as a church to be witnesses, to show people the importance of this, the urgency of this, 
and the amazing ways, Lord, that you have, have sought us out and have, have revealed yourself to us. Thank you so much for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. We pray you are encouraged by today's message from the Word of God. This sermon audio is available for free on all major podcast formats, as well as our website at northbryantbaptist.org. Thank you for listening. Thank you.